0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Horse Fix, where you can get your weekly fix for horses and perhaps fix your horse at the same time. I'm Sandy Holt and I'm coming to you from Winterhaven Ranch, Aubrey, Texas, Horse Country USA. And I'm here with my apprentice, Chloe. Hi everybody! And we're here to talk to you a little bit today about woeing or halting and giving you some insight as to why, how, when, and what. But first, I have a joke, and I don't usually start with jokes, but I happen to think of this one this morning, and it kind of is uh, on the same lines of what we're going to talk about today, so I'll see if I can remember it exactly. So there was this man who, he would buy horses and train them and then sell them. Well, he ended up buying a horse that was pretty difficult to train, so he was having trouble even getting it to move forward. So one day in church, he said, Lord, give me some help with this. So he went home that afternoon and got on the horse, and he says, Lord, remember I asked you, well, help me get this horse to move, and the horse moved. And so the man said, well, thank you, Lord. Well, consequently, as he was training that horse, he found that every time he would say, thank you, Lord the horse would move. So he was getting the horse to move and he was thanking the Lord for it. But then the horse started resonating with the words. And so the horse started moving forward. Well, the horse started anticipating and getting really carried away. And so he would say, thank you, Lord. And and in the end, the horse would just shoot up and just burst out like a cannon and go as fast as he could. And he'd have to run him to a wall or something to get him to stop. So the next time he went to church, then he said, "'Lord, can you help me stop this horse now?' So he worked with the horse, and the more he worked with the horse, he would say, "'Whoa,' and the horse's name was Dynamite, and he'd say, "'Whoa, Dynamite,' it didn't work, whoa, Dynamite.' One day he said, "'Whoa, Dynamite, whoa,' and the horse stopped. Now every time he would ask the horse to stop, he would say, "'Whoa, Dynamite, whoa,' and the horse would stop. Eventually he didn't have to do anything except say those words. Obviously this horse could be trained verbally." Well, along comes a gentleman, drives up to this man's ranch, and says, "I'm looking to buy a horse." You know, Dynamite happened to be a beautiful horse, and the man looks around and points to Dynamite and says, "I want that one." And the the guy who owned it said, "No, no, no, you won't want this one. He's he's not trained very well yet. He's he's he goes too fast, and you know, barely could get him to start and stop. But now I'm doing that." He goes, "I'm a good rider," and the and the guy could kind of tell that this gentleman was kind of boasting and probably didn't really know what he was talking about. But the guy says, Okay, well, here's what you gotta do. To get him to go, you gotta say thank you, Lord. To get him to stop, you have to say, Whoa, dynamite, whoa, got it. You know, so he gets on the horse. And he's kicking and kicking and kicking and spanking him and spurring him and trying to get him to to go forward and he can't. And so the man reminds him, You gotta say, thank you, Lord. So the guy says Thank you, Lord. And the horse takes off with him. Now, of course, the guy wasn't a very good rider, so he leans forward. He's got his feet in the horse's flanks. The horse gets faster and faster. He goes off the ranch. He goes down a dirt road. He's going up a mountainside and heading right toward a cliff. By this time, the man riding him thinks, oh, how do I stop him? I, wait, what is it? What is it? What did I say? What?" I? He's pulling back. Whoa, whoa, horse, whoa, whoa, dynamite, no, stop, dynamite, no. And as just as he's getting to the edge of the cliff, he remembers, whoa, dynamite, whoa. And the horse slides to a stop and he's right at the edge of the cliff. And he's got his hoofs halfway over, and the man takes a big sigh of relief and says, Thank you, Lord.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> Think of that yourself. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was so good. I was quite engrossed in that. I was I was actually quite worried about dynamite there. Oh my
0: goodness. (laughs) So anyway, there's lots of little morals to this story. And and as we're talking through this podcast, we you know, you may start thinking about that. First of all, the guy shouldn't ever pretend to be able to do, no. you know, that's the last thing you <laughs> want to do. Mistake number
1: one. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. So, but another part of that is horses do learn through repetition. As we're working with our horses, we want to remember that they do work through repetition. And even if you're doing it wrong, if you keep repeating that, they will learn something from that wrong move. Yes. And that brings about poorly trained horses.
1: And bad habits.
0: And bad habits. You what, betcha.
1: I don't know. It's probably not the same for horses, but I know for humans, I learned in a health class one time that it takes, I think, was it 21 days to mm-hmm. do something? If you do the same thing once every day, it yes. will become a habit after 21 days. Yes, um, And in horse world, and I don't know how, I don't think they can really register a 21 day span But it is kind of the same thing when it comes to maybe 21 rides or 10 rides or even just five rides. Uh Um, If you are implementing the same thing, whether it's good or bad, they're going
0: to learn something from it, whether it's good or bad. Exactly. Exactly. So we do want to be mindful of that all of the time. So we're going to talk about woeing to start with and, and when we should start teaching a horse to woe. In my opinion, day one. I've had lots of foals born on my place and one of the first things I do once they're up and about and walking around is I get a halter on them and I start talking to them about woe. By the time they're a couple of months old, they not only woe, but they stand and, and stay there until I'm asking them to move forward. At any rate, when, when you start a foal, To woe. Of course, you have to be gentle with them. They're soft in the face still. And but you do want to always use the word and you always want to take the the halter or the lead line and ask in an assertive way, but that's a whole nother podcast is teaching foals. But you do want to start in the beginning. And then you start doing groundwork from from the get-go. You know, teaching your horse to woe is not just about them stopping their feet. You know, of course, that that is the ultimate goal. But another part of that is teaching them respect. Uh, when they start learning that woe means woe, just like a girl and a guy on a date, no means no. It's teaching that respect. If you don't have the respect, you won't be able to move forward in any of their training. So then we start to step on them and Depending on what you want out of your horse, uh, what kind of discipline you're heading toward, woes take on totally different content. And But the, initially, the woe is just like it is on the ground. You are going to ask your horse to woe by settling down in your seat and taking the reins and, and pulling a little bit if you need to and saying the word. We always go to the ring last. You should be able to Stop your horse without reins. And always think of that as part of training is as you're doing it. Think about eventually you want them to stop without reins. And that will help you to develop your body posture to get that horse to stop. And always remembering that their transition down use the word. So, Chloe, when you first got Kingston, he wasn't a perfect stopper. No, uh, he, far from it. Well, and, you know, he, he was young. And he still is, but they actually worked on spur stopping. Yes and that's a whole, that's oh a whole goodness. different language. It is
1: a whole different language for me and for him, our language was a whole different language for him. Yes. it was it was not easy having to get myself to transition over to that just to test ride him because mm-hmm. I couldn't really give him a fair chance.
0: If, and that was almost a deal breaker for you, yeah. If it, you thought that that was the only way he was going to stop.
1: Oh, it it was one percent away from being a deal breaker right. because it was he was already young, so that we were already at a disadvantage there. He had just turned three, and it was very different. And it was definitely an eye opener for me just to think, wow, you really do have to um, be flexible with your training you and do. to yeah. have a well rounded mindset when it comes to you know and i had no idea what that even was right
0: and And for those of you out there that don't know what spur stopping is it actually i believe it originated from uh, a trainer decided that he wanted his his stops to look invisible to the judge so he kind of went in an opposite frame of mind for the horse and every time he would ask for the woe he'd ask for it with the reins but he'd put the spur in so eventually he stopped using the rein and put the spur in and saying woe so he taught the horse to stop by spur pressure it's used widely today in lots of disciplines like horsemanship as opposed to a reining stop where you're galloping down as fast as you can and you you hunker down and put those legs forward and and say woe in horsemanship you don't want the judge to see one cue. So it almost has to look like it's just through mental telepathy that your horse is stopping. (laughs) You you don't even say, "whoa," really, when you're in the class. So the spur stop was very well liked for a lot of people that Needed that so the judge wouldn't see their cues. And the same thing, like in trail class, made it a prettier picture, you know, and not pulling on the reins, of course, the horse didn't lift his head, and, you know, it all worked really well. Some horses really resonate with the spur stop and they do really good, and some people do, and some people don't.
1: I am one of those people who don't. (laughs) I really struggle with it. With Kingston, we've come to a place, I like to call it a compromise, because Mm -hmm. we kind of do half and half at this point. Mm Most of the time, we're just doing our regular cues, but for horsemanship and stuff like that, if we can and if it's fitting, we do like to do the spur stop just Mm -hmm. because it does look so clean. Yes. And it's it's almost, it's an immediate stop. Yes. And I think they feel it quicker.
0: Mm -hmm. They do. And again, you keep that horse collected a lot better too because when you're putting those spurs in, you're actually asking them to lift their backs as well and bring their legs, the back legs underneath themselves. And and so that is a helpful way to stop. But don't go out, guys, if you've never done it. (laughs) Don't go out and try this on your own because if your horse hasn't been trained that way, it takes a while. It is a process and you may put those spurs in, and that horse may jump forward on you. Last horse show we were at, um, I was jumping from one horse to the other. I was showing uh, a reiner, and then I was showing a trail horse, and the trail horse was spur stop. The reiner, of course, did the hunker down, push legs, forward stop. Well, as I was warming up, I just jumped off the uh, Zeke, who is spur stop trained, just jumped off of him, got on Mercedes, the rainer, and... As I was loping along in the practice pen, I thought I'm going to slow her down a little bit. So I stuck those spurs in and she leaped forward almost into someone else, another writer's lap. And I had to apologize for that. And I said, and, and you know, my brain just didn't go go back over to Mercedes quick enough. And, and so you do have to be careful. And, you know, you might find that that might be a problem for you if you've never done this before. Yes. So get assistance before, yes. before you try that. Definitely. So there are lots of other kinds of stops. It, I was telling Chloe earlier in dressage, you must stop square, which means that horse has to come, come to you in that stop. And I usually use my fingers and I will squeeze my right hand, left hand, then both hands and get the horse to listen to those cues and bring his legs side by side and and when i get both hands in and he's pulling all those legs together and that again takes training and there's a process there when you know when we're asking a reining horse to stop we're we're going forward it's a forward motion and we put our legs we we sit down put our legs forward and we say whoa and then if the horse isn't backing right and really using that engaging his hindquarters, we back him and back and back and back until he gets the idea that, okay, she's gonna ask me to woe, I better get those legs ready to back. So a lot of times when you're first teaching a horse to respect the woe and to and to stop on cue, you will actually do that. It was just a regular horse. You'll stop them and you'll back, 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 get them to engage. Well, Chloe and I had a project uh, not too long ago as a, a it was a horse that is taken on a long trail ride. and the owner was having a little bit of trouble getting the horse to stop. What she would do is she'd root her head out, she'd hollow out her back, and she'd eventually come down to a stop, leaning on the bit. And so and it was a struggle. So she asked, could we help her with that? And so the first thing we started doing was asking for the woe and, taking that very next step back and backing her so that when she, when we'd asked for the wool, she would get those back legs underneath her. And by backing, it also rounded her back and and brought her her withers rounded as well. And she started actually becoming even more collected as a horse in general. So we were real happy. And I mean, I I was pretty proud of us, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I thought we did an amazing job. And then also the owner had mentioned that on those rare occasions where she does have to back, it's like her horse does not know how to back.
0: Right. And yeah.
1: the horse was almost tripping over her own feet mm-hmm. trying to figure out the backward motion. So we got both of those jobs done almost in one, yeah. two birds with one stone. Right. By helping her to plant her feet with the stop and then backing. And eventually, she just basically do it on her own. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, she And she got a really almost too good at it. And so... We handed the horse back over to uh, to the owner. And so the f- next trail ride that she went on, she came back and said, what did you do to my horse? And we're like, what? I mean, wait, didn't you like what she's stopping and she's backing? She goes, yeah, every time she stopped, she backed right into the horse that was right behind me on the trail. And they go on big trail rides, too. Yes. And so she said it you know, she goes, it got to where everybody wanted to get in front of me instead of behind me because she kept backing into them. She goes, I ended up at 15 horses. I ended up at the tail end and usually I'm at the front. And she goes, I didn't like that. And I said, okay. So we learned a little bit there about, you know, not untraining, but going beyond the initial and not feeling like that horse was finished until we had to stop and think what that horse was being used for. And then Teach the horse to stop and not back. So if that makes sense to you, you know the horse had to stop and stay there, and then back when it was cued to back. So we had to go back to the drawing board and get that fixed. But typically, you know, we were doing our job.
1: Yes, and she had said, you know, her first <clears throat> excuse me, her first reaction was, oh my goodness, I can't believe how collected she is, because yes. she's a Tennessee Walker, so. That's either really collected or really not collected. Exactly. And she felt like it was such a smoother ride, and she's the sweetest lady ever. But she was like, but every time I stopped her, she'd back into whoever was behind me, and we're like, oh no, (laughs) that is not what we want. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But
0: overall, it was pretty good. Yeah. And... We you just know, didn't see that coming. No,
1: and depending on what you do, that that may be exactly what you need. But mm-hmm. then that's right. We all, always have to take in consideration
0: what do you do. Right, right. Uh, and you know, there's we talked about the dressage stop, and I talked a little bit about the raining stop. You know, there's also, also others like, um, uh, you know, the the one rain stop. Now, the one rain stop is one that a lot of trainers use to soften their horses. Um, so that they will start collecting into that stop. I am kind of a semi fan of one rain stopping. Um, coming from the raining world, the one rain stop seems to get those horses off balance and they're not stopping straight. And so, if a person does that in the beginning with a horse, they have to really be mindful into not doing that all of the time had a rider here, uh, a boarder here once, and she, she went to a Clinton Anderson um, clinic. And she came back just so excited because she learned the one-ring stop. The horse definitely needed to be able to stop better because he'd kind of run through the bridle, and he was stiff and stopped on his front end and all of that. But that ended up, that's all she did. She oh, no. never, ever stopped it regularly. Oh, no. So, and, and then she would say to me, Sandy, my horse travels crooked. Well, it's because he was constantly waiting for that one rain to pull him around. Right. So he would be—he'd be loping sideways, getting prepared and kind of being defensive about it,
1: thinking yeah. that that
0: was going to happen to him.
1: Because I would be more comfortable when you finally did ask for the one rain stop. He's already halfway yeah. there. He was
0: ahead of the game. So you know, certain things that you do to get a horse to stop. Well, uh, they—you you, always—you don't want to just continue to do that over and over and over again. Chloe, you watch a lot of YouTube, and you watch winning rides.
1: Yes, I do, and, all the time.
0: And I know, and I, that's, I'm thats i totally for that. In fact, I do it as well. It's great to be able to visualize riders and their technique and their look. And, you know, I, I, I have a, fa- a favorite rider that I always, uh, her name's Carol Metcalf, and she trains down the road. I watch her show, and she's the prettiest rider, all the way to her a slight little smile on her face while she's riding, like you know she's enjoying that ride, and she rides uh, all around. Well, sometimes when I'm riding, I'll think I'll visualize her and I'll try and be her. Right. You know? So and so I really I really encourage people to watch YouTube and watch the winning rides, but there's one thing you do need to be aware of, and that is, for instance, when it comes to stopping, you might be seeing step a b and c on stopping your horse so you uh let's say it's a rainer you may be seeing you know step a sitting deep in the seat step b pushing your legs forward and step c saying whoa well that's what you see so you go out there and try it and why doesn't that work right yes and i feel like this is such an easy track to get stuck into
1: because and i'm totally guilty of that it's so easy to Watch AQHA or APHA mm-hmm. world championship rides and think that horse is bred just like my horse. Yeah, I, I can ride just like that girl. Yeah, but when I actually go to do it, it
0: looks nothing like it. <laughs> well, and but what people to be that way to make the rider look so good, exactly. And you know, it, and that's where you're building the foundation with a horse before you even. Hunker down before you put your legs forward. Before you say, "Well, that horse has already learned to soften, to collect, learns flexibility, and a lot of drills go on before all of that, where you're getting that horse physically prepared,
1: exactly for the
0: stop. And in addition, mentally ready for for the stop. So you know, it's not all. It's not all what you see. Is not the whole story
1: no everyone is trying to win everyone is trying to get blue ribbons but what people don't try to get is the background story because Mm -hmm. it's long and it's hard Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of hours in the saddle yep but they all had to do that to get to where they are that's right
0: and and i've i've said before you know when you build that foundation it's like building a house the house won't stand up over time if you don't start with a good foundation and the same thing with horses. Often we talk about having the power to to do the things we want to do with a horse and mental power, um, physical power, what, what have you. But just like in life, rather than have power over someone or something, if you have power with them, you're going to get the job done. So with horses, you want to think about getting that horse prepared so that you will have power with, together. And together, if you both have that power resonating in, into one, then you'll be unstoppable. We want to remember this, we're asking a lot of our horses when we ask them to stop on command. It's unnatural for them. Uh, it's not something that they they're wanting to do. And when we ask them to do it, we have to be extremely patient with them. If you're patient with your horse, your horse will be patient with you. And I think that at one point with your horse, if you find that they're not understanding, I want to challenge you to step off of your horse. Go sit down somewhere. Have a glass of tea. Have a sandwich. Or just, just sit for a few minutes. And while you're waiting, perhaps you'll start to have understanding of your horse. And while your horse is waiting, perhaps... He will have an understanding of you. You'll be surprised at that little act right there, and you get back on your horse, how the two of you might start working together. That's
1: so true.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had that?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes what we'll do, like Sandy said, is sometimes you just need a mental break so that you can come back stronger with a a clear head, Mm -hmm. and your horse does too, because maybe you're feeding them too fast. Mm -hmm. Maybe they need to digest a little bit. And then it could be a five-minute break. Mm-hmm. It could be 10-minute, I'm mean, going to actually get out of the saddle, go to the bathroom, come back. Mm-hmm. And then once you've gotten all your tools in your mind, then yes. you can actually put them to some good use. And if they're still not listening, then that's a different story. Yes.
0: And, you know, remember the little joke in the in the beginning. You want to be mindful that your horse can learn no matter how you teach them. If you're repetitive, the horse will learn. So make sure that you pick the right things to teach them You know, when you're saying woe, bring about uh, patience, bring about an understanding of your horse. So anything else for you, Um, I don't think so. I feel like that covers about everything. Yeah. Ask us any questions, uh, you can find find us on Facebook, Instagram, what's your uh, Instagram?
1: My Instagram is Morales Equine, which just means Kingston's Instagram page. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I have an Instagram that I don't even look at, so don't do don't do Instagram with me, but you can Facebook or you can email me at Sandy with an I Jane Holt at AOL So thanks everyone for listening and until next time, may all your blues be ribbons.
1: Bye everyone.